This Monday morning, December 6th, things feel a little bit different in Barbados than they did a week ago. Everybody's going back to business as usual, but in the back of their mind, they know that we are a republic. The head of our state is a Barbadian. We no longer have to give allegiance to the queen. Barbados gained independence from Britain in 1966, but it's taken 55 years to cast off Queen Elizabeth. Last week, on Tuesday, November 30th, the country went from a constitutional monarchy to the world's newest republic. And for the first time, a Barbadian president became the head of state. Suleiman Bulbulia, a Barbadian businessman, says, like his countrymen, he's looking forward to what's ahead. I think that there is optimism for Barbados and Barbadians going forward. As the British crown loses one more sunrise and sunset, Barbados, once a British model economy centered on slavery, shakes off the last vestige of its colonial past and embarks upon a new day. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. If Barbadians are feeling anything like Suleiman Bolbulia right now, this is a country that's in a pretty good mood. It's wonderful. I mean, it's a sense of hope and aspirations to go forward in confidence. It's wonderful, he says, to have a Barbadian head of state and to be part of a new republic. In many ways, Suleiman is a typical Barbadian. He works in tourism. Almost 20% of the economy is tourism. And he has goals to expand the Muslim market. It's welcoming, you know, the place welcomes Muslims. Okay, so I'm super intrigued, making notes for a trip to Barbados later. Oh, Barbados is a beautiful island. I'm probably prejudiced on this, but it's one of the most beautiful <laughs> islands in, in, in the world. We're one of the small islands in the Eastern Caribbean, we're the most easterly island. Highly developed, good infrastructure, population of close to 300,000 persons, mainly of African descent, but we do have a percentage of white East Indians and other races. Barbados has gained the moniker Little England over the years. And like England, it's an island nation. And cricket is the national sport. Hey, hope. 48 for one Barbados partnership, 30 and looming. In and so there are some similarities, but there are also some big differences. Right now, the temperature in London as we have this interview is about seven degrees Celsius. It certainly has been a cold few days across the UK. What is it where you are? It's now about 30 degrees Celsius. I'm not sure what I translate <laughs> into Fahrenheit, but yeah, 29, warm. 30 degrees. Beautiful and warm. <laughs> <laughs> there are also more serious issues that have separated the countries, which we'll get into in a minute. But the way Suleiman puts it, it's pretty easy to understand why tourism is so big here. We have pristine, pure turquoise waters, white sandy beaches. Barbadians are extremely friendly to visitors, and it's a wonderful place to be. The economy is struggling, though, he says. Tourism industry has been affected greatly by the pandemic. It was down significantly over the last two years, but our government has been working hard getting that open back up. In the meantime, Suleiman's been able to get his mind off business with some work on another project. 
I'm on the Republican Status Transition Advisory Committee to the government of Barbados. We were appointed in March to advise government on transitioning from a monarchical system to the parliamentary republic system. What that means is he's had the privilege of advising his government on how best to break with the queen and become a republic. This past week, Suleiman also had the privilege of celebrating his success. I had the honor to be at the ceremony at midnight on Monday, going into Tuesday. The Union Jack falls gently, the black pride rising like flowers to sky. People felt it and it was electric. People were looking forward with hope to what was happening. As if all colors are marched off the parade, the Queen's standard is lowered. A commentator narrated the events as the British flag dropped. But today in Barbados, our young people can be watching to see what is happening. It was a clear night, it was, it was cool, and there was no rain. Perfect conditions, Suleiman says, for Barbados's first president, a former teacher, lawyer, and the first woman to be admitted to the bar, to be sworn in. I, Sandra Prunella Mason, do swear that I will well and truly serve Barbados in the office of president, so help me God. Ladies and gentlemen, Her Excellency, Dame Sandra Prunella Mason, president of Barbados. And the Republic of Barbados was born. It was wonderful that we today are a republic. This is Barbados, a jewel from off the crown. Bless is who we are. Push and go through like a Rihanna umbrella. The ceremony also included Barbados's most famous resident. I can't let this conversation go without talking about Rihanna. Yes. She got a special honor yes. that day. Correct. Rihanna, as you know, is Barbadian, born, grew up in Barbados. And it was at high school that uh, her singing talent was recognized. And, and from there, she became a superstar, but never forgot her Barbadian roots. She has given back a lot to Barbados over the years. There are 10 national heroes. Only one is alive. And now this, that Rihanna is the 11th national hero. The designee for national hero of Barbados, Ambassador Robin Rihanna Fenty. May you continue to shine like a diamond. Shine bright like a diamond. And bring honor to your nation. Shine bright like a diamond. A clear reference to the pop star's hit single, Diamonds. They had the, the defense force marching. They had other, other uniform groups marching in parade. And then you had His Royal Highness Prince Charles, the Prime Minister of Barbados. As the ceremony unfolded and as we reached closer to midnight, there is a clock tower similar to Big Ben, not as huge as that. And as it struck 12 o'clock, people just remained silent and listened for it. That was, for me, an emotional moment. Now, Basically, 396 years later, after the first English colonialist ship landed on our West Coast, we would now have cut our ties finally with Great Britain. Wow. 
I want to touch on the context of the financial gains made by the British royal family on the backs of enslaved people, because clearly there's a lot of context here. Barbados was extremely important to the British uh, when they started to rule. They created a model slave society. The blood, sweat, tears, death of human beings that benefited the United Kingdom, they developed a model slave society which was copied in parts of America. In the United States, Professor Sir Hilary Beckles, he has written on this extensively. Beckles, also a Barbadian, won the 2021 Martin Luther King Award for his work and just recently recorded this lecture marking Barbados' transformation to a republic. Indeed, the very first society that was subject to a marketing plan for enslaved Africans was Barbados. And the corporation that was established to convert Barbados into a massive slave economy and society was the Royal African Company, established in 1672. The chairman of the board of directors was King James II. Barbados was looked at as a model slave society. What did that look like? What you did was you got your agricultural products. In the beginning, it was tobacco, but then it moved to sugar quickly. And, and you, you planted the entire country, most of the country, with sugar to be then cultivated, reaped, and then transported back to England. Now, what did you have to do to be able to keep your production costs down significantly that you had to get your labor was free? Enslaved people brought them in and they worked on the plantations with no reward mere crumbs to eat on a daily basis. The research has shown that average person lived for probably only 18 years as an enslaved person because of the conditions that they operated under. Some say the average lifespan was 20-something. Suffice to say, the lifespan of the enslaved, by most accounts, was significantly shorter than the lifespan of those who were not enslaved. Because of what our ancestors were fed, we have high hypertension. And they have shown in some way related back to the diet of the enslaved, and it has gone from generation to generation. So work them like animals, basically, and then reap a huge amounts of profits. So that became an economic model for other societies from the 1600s, perhaps up to the 1800s. And I think the benefit still exists today. British traders made £60 million, or about $10 billion, from the sale of almost 1.5 million African slaves. The value of all slave-related industries amounted to 11.1% of Britain's GDP by 1800, which would be $336 billion in 2019. Prince Charles did mention the negative history and the enslavement. From the darkest days of our past, and the appalling atrocity of slavery, which forever stains our history, the people of this island forged their path with extraordinary fortitude. But we need to move beyond acknowledgement. The Caribbean governments have set up a committee to look at reparations and to start to fight for those reparations. The slave owners were given reparations, money for freeing their slaves. Slave owners were paid 20 million pounds in compensation for their loss of property. That's two billion pounds today. That is an injustice in itself that needs to be repaired. 
the slaves, the enslaved was not given anything. They were told, you're free, go ahead. They had no land to live on. They basically did not have homes to go to. And that is an important discussion that has to happen, knowing that they have benefited from this and perhaps still benefit from what was left over needs to be talked about, needs to be exposed, needs to be redressed. As a republic, we need to start to push even further for this as we go forward. And this is not the first time this discussion has come up. David Denny is a longtime activist and general secretary for the Caribbean Movement for Peace and Integration. I'm the person who led the Black Lives Matter marches in Barbados last year. Our protest action was calling immediately for reparation from the royal family, calling for reparation from the government of the United Kingdom. He says the first step, becoming a republic, has been the goal of Barbadians for centuries. From period of slavery, many of the slaves fought many battles for their freedom. Then in the 1930s, it came up again, he says. Many working-class people had a leading rebellion in Barbados on the 26th of July, 1937. Then, the 1970s and 80s, there were many Barbadians calling for a republic. And now we are celebrating. But for David, this has always been part of a larger strategy. Our Black Lives Matter marches. We made three calls. One for the removal of Lord Nelson, the statue that represents slavery, which is Lord Nelson. The British Admiral, Lord Horatio Nelson, was known for his defense of the slave trade in the 1800s. His statue stood in Barbados's National Hero Square. Two, for Barbados to become a republic. And three, for Barbados to change the name of the Royal Barbados Police Force. And following their protests... The government of Barbados removed Lord Nelson from our national hero's grave. The Prime Minister announced that Barbados will become a republic. And then the government of Barbados made a statement that the Royal Barbados Police Force name will change to the Barbados Police Service. Next is the, the battle for reparation and also for us to work on the second stage for our republic, because our first stage is just ceremonial changes. I asked Suleiman what insight he had into why the government made these decisions. So you've been working with the government of Barbados, making sure Barbadians no longer pledge allegiance to Queen Elizabeth, the British Queen. What did that entail? The government appointed a committee to look at the transition, and I was part of that committee. So as we got to work on, on advising government, we also recognized that there was a need for a lot of public information and engagement because there were elements in the public that was wondering what this was all about. What does, it, what does becoming a republic mean? What type of republic are we, are we going to have? Suleiman says Barbadians were happy with the government's decision taking down the Nelson statue, changing the name of the police force, transitioning to a republic, and getting rid of the queen were all important, even though they're symbolic. The new head of state, the Barbadian president, 
will also fill more of a figurehead role. I think for Barbadians, it's a, a momentous occasion that our younger generation can aspire to be in that head of state, to be president, to lead our country in that regard. We don't need to go back to, to the United Kingdom for that. A Barbadian can run our affairs and we are an independent country contributing to the development of society and in some ways contributing to different aspects in the world. But there's been some criticism along the way. What I was hoping for is that the process would have involved a high level of consultation in terms of the type of republic that we would become. Ronnie Yearwood is a lecturer in law at the University for the West Indies, also in Barbados. And he harbors some political ambitions himself. That's something that has been long in in the train for me. I was in youth parliament. For me, that call to service has always been there. And it's important that we be set and have a new politics, one that really is about empowerment. Of course, he says he's happy to be part of a republic. He's happy to be done with the queen. But he still wants more from his country. We're happy with the end goal. I am Barbadian and I want this project to succeed. But we still had an interest in the big debate and discussion about the process. And I dare I say, I don't think the government listened, Dan. And they just pressed ahead. There are no constitutional requirements in the Barbados constitution that demand consultation and a referendum, as you have had in other Caribbean countries. Other Caribbean countries cannot do this the way that Barbados did it because their constitutions demand referendum. Our constitution does not have those built-in uh, mechanisms. And it just shows because of the, the international media attention that this has brought, a lot of people look to Barbados for this moment. Barbados was the epicenter of slavery and the experiment and the terror that was brought upon humanity. This could be the moment to say, you know what, we are now in the light. We're going to offer you a model of what a new democracy, a new politics looks like. And that could have been spectacular. It's spectacular now, but you add that to it, that narrative, that story, That could have been the Barbados story, the new Barbados story. I asked Suleiman what he thought of this critique. What do you say to the criticism that there should have been a referendum? Very few that we spoke to disagreed with becoming a republic. What they were skeptical about was what did it mean, why there was a sense we were rushing into it. But the reality is that we were not rushing into it. Back in the late 1990s, there was a commission set up to consult with Barbadians far and wide and to report back to government on Barbados becoming a republic, among other changes. And they did report back in 1998 that the vast majority of Barbadians that they consulted with said they wanted a republic, said what type of republic they wanted, and that advised that Barbados could now move to becoming a republic. 20 plus years later... I mean, it's a sense of hope and and aspirations to to go forward in confidence. Our Prime Minister, she has a clear majority in the Parliament. She has said it very clear. Why there's no need for more time now? Many persons felt that we needed to look at our entire constitution before we become a republic. Actually, what we did was create history here because that's what other countries did. But that takes time. And the Prime Minister is saying, basically, 
We don't necessarily need to do that at this stage. We can look at just those provisions in the Constitution that require us to bring about the changes. And then after that is done, we can then review the other aspects of the Constitution and have widespread dialogue, which can take from a year to two years if we need it. And that's exactly what we did. Barbados will stay in the Commonwealth. But this is the first time a member has dropped the Queen as head of state in almost 30 years. I asked Suleiman if the country will lose anything, apart from the royal police service and the flag of the crown. He said no. They only have something to gain. And perhaps other countries do too. No, I don't think we will lose anything at all. We're gaining the respect of the world. And and what we are also gaining is many persons saying, well, hey, why don't we do it in our country as well? So I'm hearing there are rumblings in Jamaica saying, well, what is about time that Jamaica becomes a republic as well? And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Amy Walters, with Priyanka Tilvey, Ruby Zaman, Nagin Oliay, Nay Alvarez, Alexandra Locke, and me, Malika Bilal. Our story editor is Tom Finton. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya El-Milek is our engagement producer, and our executive producer is Stacey Samuel. We'll be back. <laughs>